Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. Story of a man about to get baptized in the church, and right before the baptism, he goes, Oh, excuse me, Pastor, can I run home first? So he ran home, came back. The pastor said, What was that all about? He said, Well, Pastor, I wanted to go home, and, and I, I wanted to get my wallet, because I want you to baptize my wallet with me. Let me ask you a question. What part of you needs to be baptized the most? For some of you, it is your wallet because you don't tithe, you don't give offerings. For some of you, it's your mouth. For some of you, it's your heart. We're going to look at Romans chapter 10 now, and we're going to discover if salvation is real, it will always affect your mouth and your heart. So would you take out your Bible Turn in the New Testament to Romans chapter 10. We're talking about salvation of the mouth and the heart. Let's pray first. Father, we do pray that by the way we speak, by what goes on in our heart, you will teach us what real salvation through Christ is all about. Teach us now through this Bible passage. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 10, the Jewish Apostle Paul is writing this to the Christians in Rome. Romans chapter 10, starting at verse 1. Paul writes, Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them, for his Jewish brothers, is for their salvation. Here's the first lesson. Pray for the lost. The Jewish Apostle Paul was heartbroken that most of his fellow Jews had rejected Christ and he prayed for the lost. Do you pray for the lost? Years ago, I was in England on the train, and I'm sitting across from this man in a long robe. He was a Catholic monk. And we started to talk about how lost England is. Do you know, back 100 years ago, during the age of Queen Victoria, the most Christian nation on earth, maybe, was England. They sent out missionaries all over the world during the Victorian age. And this Catholic monk says to me, today, one in ten in England attend church. And he said, his point to me was, you know, I'm a Lutheran, he says, regardless of denomination, we need to hold hands to bring God back to England. And you know, if there's not revival in America, America will be England in no time. <laughs> so pray for the lost. Last night, I turned on the TV and I saw this wonderful movie from 1953, Titanic. And it reminded me of what happened. April 15, 1912, the Titanic sunk. There were 2,200 people on board. But later that week, big newspaper front page, Titanic sinks. On the left, bold letters, The Lost. It listed 1,500 names. Second column, bold letters, The Saved. It listed 700 names. And when you come to see everyone on earth as either lost and going to hell, 
or saved and going to heaven, everything changes. When I went to college and, and finally strongly believed there's an eternal heaven, there's an eternal hell, and it's only by Christ a person can be saved, that's when I went back home and talked to my family and friends about Jesus. Pray for the lost. Next lesson, look at verse 2. For I testify about them, the Jews, that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. Here's the next lesson. It is possible to be zealous and wrong. <laughs> Let me repeat that. It's possible to be sincere and zealous and wrong. If you go to Europe, there are, in the remotest places of England, Italy, there's Mormons there young Mormon men from America that have gone over there to do their two-year mission stint. And uh, I will tell you, Mormons are sincere, they're zealous, and they're wrong. So years ago, I'm about to get on the plane to go to Italy, and I prayed before I, you know, Lord, put me next to someone that I can maybe show the gospel with if that's your will. I walk into the airplane and sit down. I'm surrounded by 30 young Mormon men from America on their way to Italy to do their two-year mission stint. So I sit down next to this young Mormon uh, next to me. Plane takes off. I open up my Bible. He opens up his Book of Mormon. And we had a talk, I don't know, four hours long. And I tried to say to him, look, God has always been God. God didn't become God on another planet. He's always been God. And there's not thousands of gods, there's one God. And when you die, you're not gonna become a God and get your own planet to worship you. I, I went through all this stuff. Well, we talked and talked, and you know what he said? My dad's an evangelical Christian, and he begged me not to come on this trip. The supervisor of the Mormons I think he saw what was going on, and so he comes over and he makes the young man get up and move, and then the supervisor sat next to me. It was a little awkward, but you know, you know what my point is? You can be sincere, you can be zealous, and 100% wrong. I'll give you another example. I, I walked into an airport, ch airport chapel, and here are these strings with these little pieces of cloth on either end called scapulars, and it, the card said something like this. There is great blessing in wearing the scapular. Mary will save from the fires of hell those who wear the scapular. Well, you know, listen, first of all, Mary doesn't save us from the fires of hell. That's her son's job. Jesus saves us from the fires of hell. And the way he saves us is not by wearing this cloth around our neck. It's by his death on the cross. So again, my point is you can be sincere, you can be zealous, but if you don't need, know the Bible, you're going to be wrong. <laughs> All right. The next verse is going to show us how to be lost. How to be lost. Three things you need to do to be lost. All right. Romans chapter 10, look at verse 3. Four, we're talking about the Jews now. Four, number one, not knowing about God's righteousness. And number two, seeking to establish their own righteousness. Number three, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. If you want to be lost, number one, stay ignorant. Number two, try to establish your own righteousness. And number three, reject submitting to God's righteousness. Let's go through those. Number one, if you want to be lost and go to hell, stay ignorant. So when I was in England, 
I walked through Canterbury Cathedral, huge cathedral that's, what, 900 years old. Here's a very distinguished English gentleman. I'm guessing he was 75 years old, and he's the docent to answer questions about the building and the history. So I had questions. I went up to him, and, and he said to me, I am a Christian, but I like Buddhism, Hinduism, Judaism. Uh, uh, they all teach the same thing, love thy neighbor. That's my religion, love thy neighbor. And I said to him, yeah, but we don't do that very well, do we? We sin a lot. That's why the way to be saved is not love thy neighbor. The only way to be saved is by Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. And, you know, we talked, but even though he said he was a Christian, he didn't go to church. Obviously, he didn't read the Bible, and he just was ignorant. The first step on being lost is just stay ignorant. Second step in being lost you seek to establish your own righteousness. Some, some Mormons were at my door. I let them in the house. We went at it for maybe three hours. And I asked them, how do you Mormons think a person is saved? Well, first of all, we don't believe really in hell much. Everybody goes to heaven one, two, or three. If you want to get into heaven number one, that's for good Mormons that have followed God, heaven number one. Heaven number two are for people that, kind of normal people, maybe they're not Mormons, but they go to heaven number two. And then for bad people, then they go to heaven number three. <laughs> That's called seeking to establish your own righteousness by how good you are. And I told them, look, I don't deserve heaven number three, much less number one. I deserve hell. It's only by Christ and his death on the cross that we will be saved. So if you want to be lost, be ignorant. Don't uh, try to s establish your own righteousness. Your goodness is what's going to save you. That'll damn you. And the third way to be lost, don't submit to God's righteousness. You know, the reason most Jews rejected Christ is because they were so concerned how, on how good they were in establishing their own righteousness, they refused to grab the righteousness Christ was giving them for free. So, to be lost, stay ignorant. Try to establish your own righteousness and reject God's righteousness. That's how to be lost. Let's talk now how to be saved. It's just, let's invert what we just heard. If you want to be saved, here's the first step. Know about God's righteousness. Do you read your Bible? Do you go to church? Do you read Christian books? Do you know about God's righteousness? You know, nine out of ten people think they're getting to heaven because they're good. They don't know about God's righteousness. So the first way to be saved is you've got to start knowing about God's righteousness, how God says you're going to be saved. The second way to be saved is stop seeking to establish your own righteousness. Let me ask you this. Have you given up on saving yourself? Have you realized I'm never going to be good enough? I'm a sinner. I need to stop trying to establish my own righteousness. That Catholic monk on the train, I said to him, are you sure you're going to heaven? He said, I hope so. But he said, I'm tentative because I'm not sure if I'm worthy. And I said to him, you're not. Neither am I. We're worthy of hell. But the only way we get worthy is by Jesus dying on the cross, paying our sin debt so we can be forgiven and cleansed to be made worthy, not by us, but by him. Well, he agreed with that. But he had so much other baggage. So my question for you is, have you given up trying to save yourself by your own goodness? To be saved, you've got to 
know about God's righteousness. Stop seeking to establish your own righteousness. The third step of being saved is submit to God's righteousness. And what is that? Well, it's the cross. And we know that from verse 4 in Romans 10. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So have you done that? Have you said, God, I give up saving myself and I submit to what Jesus did on the cross. From now on, I'm not righteous. The, it's Jesus now who is my righteousness. That's how you're saved. You have his righteousness. All right, now we're going to move on to see how if you're truly saved, it will affect your mouth and your heart. Let's look at verse 9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. All right, if you're going to be saved, the first there's two things that are necessary. Number one, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And notice, it doesn't say there you confess by your actions that Jesus is Lord. That's important, but that's not what that one says. Here's a big cop-out. Well, I don't talk to anybody about Jesus. I think that by the way I live my life, they can just tell that I'm a Christian. Well, you know, I've never had one person come up to me and say, Tom, you are so holy. You are so wonderful. I can just learn by osmosis that Jesus died on the cross for my sins just by looking at you. <laughs> That's not the way it works. You have to confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord. And, and, and notice, uh, I mean, I, I think Satan's number one lie to Christians is, you know, religion is a personal, private thing. No, it isn't. It's a public thing, or you're not saved according to this verse. You have to confess publicly Jesus is, and next, next word is Lord. The word Lord means Jesus is God. You have to confess Jesus is your Lord and your God. This is why I don't think Jehovah's Witnesses or Unitarians are Christians, because they don't believe Jesus is God. They believe he's Superman or a wonderful moral teacher, but they don't believe he's Lord and God. And, and the other thing, it says you have to confess Jesus as Lord, not Savior here, but Lord. You know, there's a teaching in the church that is wrong. You're, now and then somebody say this, well, 10 years ago, I made Jesus my Savior, but last year, I made him Lord of my life. I don't think it works that way. If you won't let him be your Lord, he's not your Savior. The first thing you have to do to be saved is you confess publicly with your lips that Jesus is Lord. So let me just stop and ask, do you do that? Do people know that you are a Christian? Because you're, you're willing to be vocal about it. There are people being beheaded right now in the Middle East because they are willing to say Jesus is Lord. And according to this verse, those are the Christians. Second thing to be saved, you have to believe in your heart that God raised Jesus. And notice there, not believe in your head that God raised Jesus. The devil believes in his head that Jesus rose from the dead. I have a buddy named John. We were in Bible study in college years ago. Dear Christian man, once he left college, he left Christianity for 30-some years. And now and then I would talk to John and I'd say, John, do you still believe Jesus rose from the dead? And he'd have a strange answer. I suppose I know it's true, but I'm not a Christian. He'd say, <laughs> and you know, so 
you know, there are people that know in their head that Jesus rose from the dead. That, that doesn't save you. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, it has to be a heartfelt thing. And praise the Lord, John is back with the Lord now after 30-some years. He's now a Christian again going to church. But um, it has to be a thing in your heart. You know, I had a seminary professor at my liberal seminary that, uh, that I went to. He didn't believe Jesus rose from the dead. You can be a seminary professor, deny the resurrection, and I don't think he's a Christian, not according to this verse. All right, well, what will happen if you confess with your lips Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart God raised him from the dead? If you're saved, there's two results of salvation. Look at verse 12. Verse 10, I'm sorry. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Here's the first result of salvation. Number one, you won't be put to shame. On the great last day when Jesus returns in the clouds, the rest of the world will be ashamed, but you won't be. I love that old hymn. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone. I'm faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And if you will confess Jesus with your mouth, believe in your heart he's raised from the dead, when everybody else is ashamed because of the sinking sand they built their lives on, you won't be ashamed. And then the second result of salvation Look at verse 12. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is the Lord of all. There's the next thing. The, the second result of salvation, there's no room for racism in the church. If, if you believe that you're all saved the same way, then black, white, Jewish, Greek, it doesn't matter. There's no, I, I mean, years ago, there was somebody that said, Pastor Tom, there was an interracial couple that came to our church and some person, I don't know who they were, went up to them and said, please don't come back. Your kind are not welcome here. That person, whoever they were, needs to read this verse. There's no distinction. All, the same Lord is the Lord of all and there's no room for racism in the church. Last thing is the importance of prayer. Look at verse 12. God is abounding in riches for all who call upon him, for whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. All right, there's two things that happen when you pray. Number one, uh, you get riches. Rich, prayer brings riches. And then the second thing that happens, it says prayer brings salvation. <laughs> so, you know, we need to pray more. I mean, uh, the reason we don't pray more is because we don't think it does any good. And I brought it, if uh, maybe I don't have it with me. I have a plaque on my wall that I've talked about before. It says from Alfred Lord Tennyson, quote, more things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. I hang that on my wall to remind myself, your prayers do more than you think, not less than you think. Prayers bring riches, prayers bring salvation. Let me just close with this. For a while, I went to Grinnell College in Iowa, very intellectual, anti-Christian school. 
And we, this is way back in the 70s. The, the students and I, I was a student, would sit in the lounge watching the CBS Evening News with Walter Cronkite. And we'd kind of be cynical and make fun of the news every night. Well, this was after the Vietnam War was over and people are coming home. There's a, a young black man that was reported as dead. They interviewed his mother. And she said, I prayed, Lord Jesus, you can do a miracle. I know they say he's dead, but Lord Jesus, I ask you for a miracle. Bring my homeboy alive. And then they showed the son walking down from the airplane alive. And his mother just, praise you, Lord Jesus. I knew you were going to answer my prayer. And you know what? You could have heard a pin drop in that cynical lounge. I mean, when you pray, you know, it, it does, I mean, maybe your son won't live, and, but nevertheless, more things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. So let's wrap it up. To be saved, you have to know about God's righteousness. You have to stop trying to save yourself by your own goodness, and you embrace Christ and his righteousness. He on the cross is what will save you. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insight to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, why do you think most people believe they're saved by being good? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. Partly it's a pride thing. Uh, you know, I think that was... When, the, when Jesus came along, the Pharisees were very much into, I'm saved because of my, I'm a good, uh, I'd keep all the Jewish laws. So partly it's a pride thing. On the other hand, the Bible does talk about we're going to be judged by works on the last day. It doesn't say we'll be saved by works, but we'll be saved by grace. But our works will give evidence of whether we were saved by grace. So I think people confuse the results of salvation with how we're saved, which is by grace alone. So it that's why it doesn't work then, right? The, the reasons, yeah, okay. Why can't I get to heaven by being good? The answer to that is you're not good. And remember many years ago during 9-11, people would say, how could God let this happen to such good people? The answer is there are no good people. We're all sinners. We all deserve hell. And that's why you can't get to heaven by being good because we're not in God's eyes. Okay, some people say that People will be saved no matter what they believe as long as they're sincere. Um, you know, I guess Satan worshipers, the Episcopal Church, all those well, are you know, valid. The, the, the Episcopal Church is, is a Christian church, but it's gone wacko in, in some areas. I'll, I'll give you an example. All right, so can you be saved by being sincere? No, you can be sincerely wrong. Satan worshipers worship the devil, but they're sincere. Does that make that a, a valid religion? And, and Jackie, I was at an Episcopal church, and they had a, a, a seminar, or they had a, uh, they had a, a group in there, and, and this says about their group, we believe that all religious claims are equally valid. In other words, they're universalists, I think. Everybody goes to heaven, Buddha, Jesus, Muhammad, you take your pick. All religious claims are equally valid. And I, I felt like going up to the person saying, how about Satan worship? Is, that, is it just as valid to worship Satan as it is to worship Jesus? And this is how crazy things are getting. Where did the church go wrong, Pastor Brock? I mean, and switch to these yeah. ideas. Right. You know, Jackie, I'm a Lutheran. 
I love the Episcopal Church. They have the Brook of Common Prayer. You don't get a better prayer book than that. They have wonderful hymns and liturgy in the Episcopal Church. In America, the Episcopal Church has gone bonkers liberal. And the, the, church, the Episcopal Church in England, and especially in Africa, is more conservative. But in America, the Episcopal Church is leading the charge for homosexuality, transgenderism, desexing God talk, all this stuff. And, and I think it all started when they abandoned the authority of Scripture. And they started to believe that the Bible's wrong and we're right. That, that's, it's a pride thing again. And that's happened to so many religions. It's happened to the ELC Lutherans, PCUSA Presbyterians, United Church for Christ is the most liberal of all of them. Okay, you have some religious groups that are very zealous about going door to door mm -hmm. and that. What do you say about that? Are, are they to be commended for doing well, that? Well, you know, I wish we had the zeal of the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses who, goes, who, who go door to door. And so, some of their zeal puts us to shame. But like we just read from Romans 10, you can have great zeal and be totally wrong. And, and so I think that they would challenge us. We Christians need to be much more vocal about our faith. Okay. What does the Bible mean when it says Christ is our righteousness? Yeah. You know, Jackie, I'm not righteous, so how do I get into heaven? Because I have to be righteous. Well, Christ now is my righteousness. And, and this is from, I think, 2 Corinthians. God made Jesus who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. So here's the, here, the way it works is on the cross, Jesus gets all my sins. And then that 33 years of perfect righteousness that he lived, he clothes me in that. He puts me in that. So now when God sees me, he sees 33 years of perfect obedience because Christ now is my righteousness. That's how I get to heaven. Well, Romans 10 4 says that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone believes. Can you explain that? Yeah, I, I, there's kind of two ways to interpret that. This is why it's good to have Bible commentaries. Every Christian should have a good uh, Bible commentary or two. Um, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. What I think that means is you're not saved by law. The Jews even weren't saved by law in the Old Testament. In words, Christ is the end of all that. If you want to be righteous, it's through Christ. Some Christians believe the word end should be translated goal. Christ is the goal of the law and that everything in the Old Testament, the law, pointed forward to Christ as being our righteousness. It could be either one. Well, we're down to the last 30 seconds of our show today, Pastor Brock, and we just want to thank you for being such faithful listeners and joining us every week. And why don't you give a little update sure. now so that people know real quick. You know, everybody, if you have a friend and you want them to see this show, point them to pastorstudy.org. You can go to our website. You can view all of our shows for free there, pastorstudy2s.org. And uh, th that's one way. Pray for us. If the Lord nudges you to give, we are now on all over the country because of people giving. So if you'd like to be a part of that, again, go to pastorstudy.org or you'll see an address at the end where you can support us. But pray for us and we'll see you next time at the Pastor Study. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.